Happy Mother's Day, dear moms. When I um, graduated from Westmont College in 1989, uh, my best friend and I, Eric, who was my roommate for four years at Westmont, we decided to embark on a journey uh, across the United States. We called it the Young and Aimless Tour, and uh, we took three months to zigzag across the United States to see our good young life friends and, and uh, friends from school. They lived all over the country. And uh, our final destination would be Washington, D.C., where we would uh, work with a national prayer breakfast for a year and minister there. And I remember the day when we were at our home in Half Moon Bay, and my buddy Eric lived over in Los Altos, and he came to pick me up. And our first destination was Portland. And so he swung by the house, and, and uh, we just packed everything that we owned into this little 1979 white uh, uh, Volkswagen Scirocco, and uh, it was packed to the brim. And uh, I had uh, in hand um, my, uh, my teddy bear that uh, Kina gave me. I was madly in love with Kina. Uh, she had another year of school, and so uh, Roosevelt, my bear, was going on the journey uh, with me. And so, as we just got ready in the final moment to say goodbye, my dad gave me a big hug and he was proud. He was excited about the journey. And he knew as a young man it's a great adventure to take. And then I went to my mother, who I've told you is French. And in the French culture, we always kiss each other on the cheeks two or three times. And so I went to approach my mom and, and gave her uh, a kiss on the cheek. And she held me. And uh, I got to make it through this deal. And she wept and she wept. And then we kissed again. And, uh, and then as we, as we went up our street uh, to take off and took a left onto the Highway 1, uh, she kind of stood in the middle of the street. Every time. I love my mom. I got a good, good mom. And there was such a uh, wonderful tenderness there. And one of the things as we study the scriptures this morning is I don't want you to miss uh, Paul's heart, his tenderness, truly, for the church in Thessalonica. He loved it with the tenderness of, of, of just an incredible loving mother. And we'll see it pour out in this passage and it truly was like my mother saying goodbye to her son. Turn with me, if you would, to Thessalonians chapter 2, beginning in verse 17. But we, brethren, having been taken from you for a short while, in person, not in spirit, were all the more eager with great desire to see your face. For we wanted to come to you, I, Paul, more than once, and yet Satan hindered us. For who is our hope, our joy, our crown, our exaltation? Is it not even you in the presence of our Lord Jesus at his coming? For you are our glory and our joy. As Paul is writing this letter, the culture at the time, again, was, it was facing incredible trials, the Christian culture. They had a strong emperor worship that they had to 
step into and, and wrestle with that. There was incredible, uh, just gross uh, sexual immorality that they were facing and, and wondering how to handle that uh, and be a follower of Jesus Christ. And Paul writes to them, understanding their trial. He writes right in the middle of their pain and their suffering and, and not knowing how to hold on to God and all these things and wanting to. And he also writes them, and the thing you cannot miss about the whole book of First and Second Thessalonians is that he writes them in light of eternity. He writes them with the knowledge and the truth that, guess what, gang? We are going to be with our Lord Jesus in the kingdom of God forever. And no matter what's going on today, we cannot lose sight of that. He writes with a heart that reminds them of who they are and where they're going. And he writes with a heart to grow them up in maturity in Jesus Christ. And again, he is making disciples. That's Paul's goal. And again, in simplest term, making disciples, coming along each other's side, growing each other up in Jesus Christ so that they will be strong and firm and have a foundation. Loving each other in such a way that we, again, are drawn towards our God. And so Paul makes disciples with the tenderness of a loving mother. And he says this, he says, listen, having been taken away from you for this short while, I literally, uh, it, it was a sense of, brethren, what's happening is people are saying, Paul doesn't really care about you guys, you're on your own. And he wants to respond to it, because it's so far from the truth. He says, I, I, was, I was stripped away from you. I wanted to be with you so much, the word is actually, I was orphaned from you. I was left without children. And he says, but listen, it's only for a short while, which actually has the idea of only a season of an hour. My desire is it's just this quick moment that I'll be gone from you because I so much want to be with you. And I want to grow you up in Christ. And so he says, I can't wait. I'm eager to be with you. And and every time I try to get with you, the enemy steps in and he has cut me off. It's the idea of of those of you in in track and field and you're running a race and you're actually ahead in the race. And then all of a sudden, another runner comes by and cuts right in front of you. And you're trying to get to that goal, but there's this person in front of you and you're trying to get the angle and and move to the inside of the track, but they got the one hand up as they cut in front of you. And that's what he's saying, I wanted to come see you. But the enemy, the enemy cut right in front of me. Actually, he was attacked by men. They had a split town because they were coming under persecution. But see, Paul always had a vision of exactly what was going on, which is the battle's not against flesh and blood. It's against principalities. It's against the enemy who comes against us. And so the enemy is holding me back. But there can't be anything further from the truth. I don't care what you're hearing. I love you. And I can't wait to be with you. And so he goes on. He's like, I want to come by your side. And what he does, one of the things that we can do as we mature people in Jesus Christ, as we make disciples, is that we remind them of who they are in Jesus And he says of the Thessalonians, he says, you are my hope, you are my joy, 
You are my crown. You're my hope. Hope something that we look forward to, that we anticipate. If the Word of God is true, and it is, then I look forward to what God is doing in your life, and I look forward to the fact that we will have eternity together. And so I have hope in you because I've seen transformation in you. Remember last week, you accepted the Word and it is working in you. It is at work in your life through the power of the Holy Spirit that God is working. And so you are my hope. You're my joy. I love to be with you. I love to have time with you. I love seeing who you are in Christ. I love the way that you share the love of Jesus with others. I love just who you are as a person. And again, a great joy that someday we will be in eternity together. You guys need not to forget this. These relationships that we have now, these continue on in eternity. You understand that? What a great joy. And we're actually going to be perfect. And we'll actually be nicer to each other and all these good things. But we continue on in this relationship. As new creations in Christ, in eternity with God, forever having fellowship as a body of believers. Isn't that cool? And you are my crown of exaltation. You're the crown in which I boast, Paul says. I can't wait to stand before the Lord Jesus, Paul is really indicating, and go, ah, isn't this great? These wonderful believers, these Thessalonians, and here they are, God. And I'm just so excited about who they are in you. And so give them that reward that they deserve, that you told them, that you're going to give them. Because there is reward. And it's this wonderful joy that we look forward to. We don't know exactly what that's going to look like. The book of Revelation says, Behold, I am coming quickly, and my reward is with me to render to every man according to what he has done. And so Paul can't wait for that reward. All the goodness of God poured out on us. But he reminds them of who they are. He reminds them that they are followers of Jesus Christ. He reminds them of eternity. You know, we need to do that for each other as we make disciples. Because here's the deal. We're going to be walking, boom. We fall. And we need to come to each other's side and say, let me remind you exactly of who you are in Jesus your sin that just happened, your stumbling that just took place when you chose to walk away from God right there, that is not who you are. You're a son or daughter of the Most High God. You are washed. You're cleansed. Your feet need to be washed today because you chose to sin against God. But it doesn't define who you are because you're my joy. You're my hope. You're my crown. You're beloved of God. And so as we equip the saints, as we make disciples with the tenderness of a loving mother, remind those in your life who you are. And dear mothers, you need to be reminded exactly of who you are. You're these wonderful gifts from God that have really, truly, I think one of the most incredible privileges of having time with your children to bring them up in the goodness of God. Don't ever think that's just a simple job or that life isn't valuable. It's the most valuable. And so continue with your children 
to remind them of who they are in Christ. Grow them up in the Lord. And then he goes on to encourage them because he loves them and he misses them. And the scriptures say in verses 1 and 2 of chapter 3, Therefore, when we could endure it no longer, we thought it best to be left behind at Athens alone. And we sent Timothy, our brother and God's fellow worker in the gospel of Christ, to strengthen you and to encourage you as to your faith. You see, again, Paul cares most about the faith, the growing up of the church, how we're doing in Christ. And so he longs to send Timothy, Timothy, a faithful brother, one who has lived out his faith, one who has grown up and matured, one who has held on to the Lord Jesus. And he says, you know, I find it to be best that I send Timothy. I'm more concerned about you. You know what the truth is, Paul's saying, I need Timothy. And it grieves his heart that Timothy, he loves Timothy. But it's best that he comes by your side. It's best that he comes next to you. I send them to be your strength. It's where we get the word steroids, the one to, to build up and to make you stronger, to undergird. Moses' arms needed to be lifted up. We can't do this Christian life by ourselves. And if you're trying to do that, stop. And say, Lord, would you provide someone in my life? Because I need to be strengthened. I can't do this journey alone. One of the ways, again, that we make disciples is that we come alongside, and he says, to encourage, the next word, I have them to strengthen and encourage you in your faith. Encourage is where we get the Holy Spirit, paraclete, the one who comes right next to you. I wanted Timothy to come and to come alongside and see how your faith is doing because I'm concerned about you. And I want to know if you're holding on to God in these things. Because I love you so much. You know, when I was in college at Westmont, I, uh, you know, there, there's just these times where you realize in college, right, that you, you are always hungry. You never have quite enough food. You're, you're always poor uh, in college. You never really have money. And it's really just one of those times of life where you're in desperate need kind of all the time. And so we would go to our little mailbox that, uh, at the school, and it was just kind of a small little area. And one of the greatest things in the world was to see in your mailbox this yellow slip. And that yellow slip meant something very good. It meant there's a box bigger than this mailbox. And there's something inside of it. And so then you go to the main office. And there it was, in all its glory, a care package. And then you would tear into the care package and your roommate would be totally jealous because you just got all this stuff and he would try to steal it from you, but you'd beat him down. And, and <laughs> you know, you would just enjoy the cookies and the good eats. And, and from my mom, who sent these often, lots of just letters of encouragement and books to read. And she was always loving me with a care package. One of the best ones was... And again, you know, you just you just never have money, and that's why I told Kina anyway. And uh, so um, I get this box, and it's bigger than normal. And I'm like, dang, this is going to be a great day. And sure enough, it was. So I opened it up, and it was a it was a tree. But at the end of each branch of the tree was all kinds of different monetary dollar bills, you know, twenties and five. It was a money tree. And I was like, amen and hallelujah. Amen. 
But you know what's so cool about that? Why it was such an encouragement to me? Was she knew the need. You know, she knew where I was at. And she knew what was going on in my life because she was always involved in my life and what was going on. Because, like a tender mother, she would call often, missing her son. And Paul had the same heart. And it's the heart of God. Do you understand that? Paul's only a, a little reflection of God's love and tenderness towards us. These wonderful mothers that we have are in the image of God who created them with that. And so she was a great encouragement to me. And so the care package was Timothy. I came by your side to see how you were doing, to make sure things were going okay. I want to be a strength to you and an encouragement. And we'll walk through this together. And so that's one of the ways we make disciples, is that we encourage each other in the Lord. And we need to strengthen one another. Because, boy, there are days when we are weak. And we, we often go, huh, how do we keep running this race? And the next thing that happens, and, and, and as you come alongside each other with the tenderness of a loving mother, making disciples, is that you walk through the trials together. He notices this and he's concerned about this. He says, listen, I'm sending Timothy, verse 3, so that no one would be disturbed by these afflictions that you're going through. It's actually unsettled. It's, it has the image of a, a disturbed, has an image of a wagging tail of a dog. I don't want you to flip-flop back and forth by these afflictions. For you yourselves know that you have been destined for this. For indeed, when we were with you, we kept telling you in advance that we were going to suffer affliction. And so it came to pass, as you know. And for this reason, when I can endure no longer, I sent to find out about your faith, for fear that the tempter might have tempted you and our labor would be in vain. One of the ways that we encourage each other in our faith, and one of the ways that we walk through along with each other in this journey, is that we remind one another that guess what? As followers of Jesus Christ, you and I are going to suffer. We will. We have together and we will continue to do so it isn't something that will skip us and it's actually the scriptures say you're destined for that it's part of god's appointment for your life as a follower of jesus christ but what happens is when we walk through that with each other and when we remind each other that this is part of our journey it's a comfort to us to know again in light of eternity that there will come a day that this affliction, this suffering, this trial will end. It may come in this life. It may come only in eternity. And so Paul says, I, I wanted to see how you were doing. I was worried about your faith. And as a, as a loving uh, brother who loves you, I want to check in on you because I know the enemy is coming in hard on you. Do you know, you remember, remember when your kids got chicken pox? And one of the things is when... When kids at this uh, at the school get chicken pox at whatever school you're at, and, and your kids come to you you're like, I saw you know Johnny had these bumps all over him. What were, what was that? And so Kina's able to say, well, those are chicken pox. And then we're able to go from there, which is, listen, the deal is you're going to get chicken pox. That's just part of the journey. And so you're going to get them, and here's what it's going to be like. 
It's going to itch like you can't believe. Remember, we went through the itchy Richie phase, didn't we, Caleb? I had all the boys in the bathtub together with the oatmeal bath. But we told them, we said, hey, we're going to give you this oatmeal type bath and you're going to soak in that and that should relieve the itching. And you're going to itch at night. That's going to be the worst. And we might put socks on your hands. But guess what? Here's the deal. This will last for about a week or so, but then it will end. And so they knew when the time came, this is pretty bad right now. And there'd be times at night when they were kind of crying because it hurt so bad. And you just want to itch and, and you can't. And isn't that, you know, mothers, I mean, we all know parents. That's when we hurt the most. That's a trial for us when our kids go through it. And yet they went through it and they made it through the end of it. And they made it through because they knew part of the way is this is part of the deal. And here's what it's like. And so as we, as we equip the saints, as we mature each other in Jesus Christ, we go, listen, this is what the Lord has for you. I don't want the tempter to get in the way saying, God doesn't love you right now. I don't want the tempter to be working his deal and saying, if the Lord really loved you, he wouldn't allow you to go through this. Because that's not what Scripture says. Scripture says, because the Lord loves you, you will go through. Peter says, don't be surprised, right? Timothy says, if you're going to follow Jesus, this is part of the deal. You will suffer as brothers and sisters in Christ. And so we do that together with each other's side. And then we say, but God says, I'm always with you. But God says, I'm right in the middle of your pain. But the Lord says, I actually suffered all this pain that you're going through. And so let me remind you of truth as you go through this. And so he comes along their side and encourages them. The old days of thunder, when Tom Cruise gets smacked by a car. And he calls into his crew chief and says, what's going on? They're bumping against me. They're rubbing me. And it's just a great quote. Rubbing is racing. Rubbing is racing. You are going to rub all the time. Don't let it startle you. Don't let it throw your faith. I don't want you to be unsettled like a wagging dog tail that's hopping back and forth. I don't want you to be tossed by the wind because this is part of our journey together. But we do it together as followers of Jesus Christ. And as we mature each other, as we make disciples, we remind each other of the trial. And we we come along each other's side because we need one another. And so Paul encourages them and reminds them of what's coming on. And here's what's really cool. is here's Paul longing to see how they're doing. And I'm hurting for you. And I know that the enemy's probably trying to just whisper these lies into your life. And what happens is all of a sudden, he's the one who receives encouragement from them. He's the one who is blessed by their faith. And one of the things as you guys do life together is you need to allow yourself to be encouraged by the faith of others. It's not just you giving out. It's receiving the beautiful encouragement from those you have life with. Here's what he says. Verse 6, But now that Timothy has come to us from you and he's brought us good news of your faith and your love and that you always think kindly of us, longing to see us just as we long to see you, For this reason, brethren, in all our distress and all of our affliction, we were comforted about you through your faith. Now look at verse 8. For now, we really live. If you stand firm in the Lord, 
For what thanks can we render to God for you in return for all the joy which we receive, which we rejoice before our God on account of you? As he as he's pouring out his heart to them, and he gets the news back that he went just to find out how their faith is doing. What else comes back? Timothy comes back and says, "Hey, Paul, not only is their faith doing great, but here's how it's pouring out." They are loving each other like you wouldn't believe. And not only are they loving each other, they're loving the people in that community. And so God is being glorified in the middle of all this. And you've got, you got to see the heart of Paul here. And as he heard it, he says, Now I really live. This is what discipleship is. This is what it means to walk through life. Is that your life isn't about you that really living is about life together and and seeing your brothers and sisters as they grow in Jesus Christ and as they hold on. And you go, I can see nothing but God in what he's done with you. And so God is glorified. My strength is encouraged. And now I really live. We're selfish people. We're pretty self-centered and self-focused, aren't we? But you want to have real life? You invest in others and then you allow God to work in them and you just rejoice in that. And as they hold on to Jesus, you go, my goodness, you have strengthened my faith because I'll tell you what, there was times when I was ready just to give up. I couldn't take it anymore. And now you're in the middle of the suffering just like I am, just like our forefathers were, and you're holding on, not only holding on, but you are, you are giving love in ways that I didn't even think was possible. So thank you. You know, we just got a, uh, a wonderful letter uh, from the Mannings. It's a story uh, in, a, in Turkey about uh, three Christian brothers. There's two Turkish men and uh, a one who was from Germany. And they worked in Turkey in a printing press and they printed Bibles. And some other men who were Muslim had come in and they were interested in the Lord Jesus Christ and so they became close friends. But it was all in an effort to kill these guys. It was fake. And so one day as they're excited and they're sharing the gospel and they're printing Bibles to give out to this community, 99.9% Muslim, these guys took them out. It was a brutal murder. It wasn't just a gunshot and simply done with. It was brutal and they suffered a great suffering. And Tom writes in his letter, and yet, after their death, there was an open proclamation of the gospel of Jesus Christ in Turkey that has never been seen since the time of the Apostle Paul who came forth and brought truth into that region. And here's what happened. So they come in and they bring the bodies into the town square. And they're carrying the bodies in. And you've got to understand, there is media there. There is political leaders there. There is thousands of people coming in. And in the middle of that, there's 500 Christians coming in. You've got to understand, you've got television on your face. You've got pictures being taken. They recognize you. Your chances of living are not real good. And they come in, all of a sudden, there's an incredible applause. And so Tom asked the gentleman who lived there, he said, 
is this normal in your culture to give applause? So no, we only do this for martyrs. And these are Christian martyrs. And yet Muslims were giving applause. And there was praise going out. And then in this gathering, in this funeral procession, they had time. And ten men came up to the podium. And they shared, again, all of the news media. All of the print. Face right in front of you. And they said, we cannot help but tell you about Jesus Christ. You may take our lives, but we will tell you that Jesus Christ is our life. And we want to tell you about the love of Jesus. And this is what these men paid for with their death because they're followers of Jesus Christ. Ten different men. Then all of a sudden, Tom says, Tom Manning says, only but the unbelievable strength and love and power of God. One of the husbands, the wife, they had several children. She came up. wasn't planned. She came up. And she said, I want you to know something. I love my husband very much. And I grieve his loss. But I want you to know something, that even while I know he was being tortured, even though he was being tortured, I know that during that time he was praying for you. Because his Lord is Jesus Christ. And then she said, For those of you out there who maybe know who did this, and if you're here in this crowd, I want to tell you, I forgive you. The newsletter says the media was dumbfounded. They didn't know what to do. The gospel of Jesus Christ proclaimed openly. And he says thousands of people in Turkey, their strength was emboldened and their strength was built up that we too can stand firm in the knowledge of Jesus Christ and in the love of Jesus Christ and we stand firm in light of eternity that there is more. And so we will live for him. That just happened April 18th of this year. You see, when God is at work, the God who created the universe, the God who came into our lives and if we accept him, transforms our lives, makes us new creations in Christ, we cannot help but live that out And when we live it out with each other, we strengthen each other's faith. There's more than just this Sunday. There's more than coming to church. There's more than just hanging out together. Discipleship is about this wonderful life together, reminding each other who we are in Christ. It's by encouraging each other and and walking through trials and receiving encouragement so that we're emboldened in who we are. And then he goes on. And I love the song we sang because it's so true of prayer of our mothers. But Paul prayed. And look how he prayed as we wrap up. We prayed night and day. Kept on praying for you. Most earnestly that we would see your face. And that we may complete what is lacking in your faith. That we may... uh, the Greek is it's, it's where we get the word equipping from, that we may mend nets, that we may make whole when a bone is broken, that we, we may complete the work of God in your lives. And so we're praying for that opportunity. 
We're praying that we would see you face to face. He says in the beginning, remember, I was torn from you in my face, but not in my spirit. I prayed for you earnestly in my spirit. And we know that's true as we are separated out from one another. You may be gone in face, but not in spirit. And we prayed that our God and Father Himself, Jesus, would direct our way to you. And may the Lord cause you to increase and abound in love for one another and for all the people, just as we also do for you, so that He may establish your hearts without blame in holiness before our God and Father at the coming of our Lord Jesus with all His saints. Again, there is a time that is coming. And I pray for you earnestly. And I love how He prays. He says He prays night and day. That's not just in the night and just in the day. That's everything in between. I pray without ceasing for you. Because I know that God answers prayer and I live in a life that I know that my God wants me to come to Him and to intercede for our beloved saints for each other. And so as we see Him making and maturing the saints, one of the ways that we do that for each other is that we pray earnestly, fervently, with passion, knowing that God responds and hears us. That we step in with the Lord and we say, Lord, I pray for my dear brother or sister. I pray for their life in You. I pray that they might hold on in the midst of the trial. He doesn't pray necessarily that the trial is done, but that they hold on. And you know one of the things that's interesting about Scripture is that as we see prayer come into Scripture, we always see with it that the Word, the truth, is brought into that prayer. Samuel says in chapter 12, he says, Moreover, as for me, far be it from me that I should sin against the Lord by ceasing to pray for you. But I will instruct you also in the good and right way. I give you truth in my prayer. The disciples in Acts chapter 6 say, we are going to devote ourselves to prayer and to the Word of God. That the Holy Spirit will work in your life and as we pray, the truth starts to penetrate your soul because it's the truth of God, the Word of God, that changes your lives. And so we pray that it will come forth into you. And we pray that God will do His work. And we pray that God will mend the nets, equip you in all the good work and in your life in Christ. Jesus says to Peter, Simon, Simon, Satan has demanded permission from me to sift you like flour. And I love how he responds, how Jesus keeps going. And he says, but, but Simon, I've prayed for you. And I pray that your faith may not fail. And that when once you have turned again, that means once you've held on, that you will pass this along. You will strengthen your brothers, teaching them in these things. I pray for you this way. And I know, dear mothers, that you pray for your children and for those you love. And as saints together, as a body of Christ, we have to do that for one another. So that we can equip each other, we can mend these broken bones, that we would be made to be what we're meant to be. Because one day, he says, as I bring you truth and as I pray for you, you stand blameless I want you to be set apart unto God, unto holiness. So you go before the Lord. And again, Paul's going to be sitting there going, Ah, guess what? This is a child of God. They set their, part, their lives apart for you, God. 
And I prayed for them that they would hold on in the midst of the trial. And they did. They ran the race. And they made it through. That's making a disciple with the love of a tender mother. And I hope that we do that with each other. Let's pray. Father, I just thank you. I thank you for your love for us. I thank you for how you want us to be whole, how you want us to grow up in you, and that we would hold on to your truth, that we would be made mature in you. And Father, I thank you for our mothers in our lives that have come and strengthened us in ways that we can't even imagine, who have loved us beyond measure, who have prayed for us. They truly are prayer warriors. And Father, they reflect the image of you, your tenderness, your beauty, your kindness. And so we give you praise for them. Thank you for your word, Lord Jesus. Through your Holy Spirit, would it penetrate our soul today. And may we love each other in such a way, I pray. Amen.